Good morning. How are we? It's nice and toasty in here. Anyone feeling the toastiness? Anyone, bit of red face around I'm seeing? Yeah, look, we can't complain though, can we? Uh, did I just complain? Yeah, I think I did. I think that's, that justifies. Yeah, poor, poor kids. Yeah. Uh, okay. Welcome. I, like, like Jacob said, I'm so glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, thanks, Sarah, for leading worship this morning. Um, and the testimony of that is, yeah, is big and thank you so much. Um, did anybody here watch the King's Coronation a couple of weeks ago? Hands, hands up. I need to see hands. Who watched the King's That's good. Yes, yes. All right. Well, uh, I know that there are some in the room who live for it. Oh, where's June? She's, she's helping out. Uh, there, there's some, mainly June, but there's some others who love, like, the royal family. Esther, do you love the pomp and ceremony? Yeah. Uh, I know that there are some probably in the room who are like, why aren't we a republic yet? You know, maybe looking around. Oh, yeah, okay, there there us. Let's leave politics behind. Uh, I want to tell you, I was very curious about the coronation. I, I've never seen a coronation before, yeah, right? Like, it was a long time since the last one. Yeah. Uh, and I was very keen. So I, in the middle of a movie, it was a, you know, Saturday night, my kids were watching a movie and I was like, nah, that's it, we're stopping the movie and we're watching the coronation which they were very happy about once I turned it on. I, I, had, I got the time wrong. Stuff had already started. But anyway, it was long, wasn't it? It was pretty long. By the time it went to the end, I was a bit over it. There's a lot of weird stuff that happened in the middle. Like, I'm not, Anyway, this is not disrespecting it in any way. There was beautiful music in the coronation. Did anyone hear, like, the, the choir and the, there's some amazing music? Um, but one thing, it wasn't just one thing, but one thing caught my eye that I wanted to share this morning and, and, and for the purposes of this morning was hearing the Lord's Prayer. Now, I have a memory of coming to church every Sunday morning and hearing the Lord's Prayer recited together. Does, it, does anyone have memory of that? Some of us who are a little bit older might remember. Now, the thing is, my memory of that is like monotone, dreary, like, oh, here we go again, reciting this. Now, I was a, I was a kid. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody who was reciting it wasn't meaning it, but... I thought that there was quite a lot of power in hearing it in the coronation, people saying the Lord's Prayer together. And so I thought this morning here at Rev Church, we might say the Lord's Prayer together. Is that, that's a novel idea. Bring it back. Uh, so this is a prayer that Jesus taught the disciples. When they asked how to pray, this is what Jesus said uh, you should pray for. Uh, now, this morning, we're going to do it with a little bit of, bit of passion in our voices. Can we, can we do that? 
But we're gonna we're gonna pray together the Lord's prayer. The words are up on the screen. This is the uh, contemporary version, so there might be a couple of different words, but we'll we'll be right. Uh, so let's let's take this moment and together as God's people, looking at the words, let's pray them sincerely together this morning, so we hear each other's voices, so we know that in unity we are praying the same thing as Jesus taught us. So. Let's give this a go together, all right? Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Amen. Do we, do we believe that? Do we, do we want to pray that together this morning, that prayer? A few different words. We did very well. Well, today is Red Shield Sunday. There you go. Jacob mentioned the Red Shield appeal. Well, well today is Red Shield Sunday and... I wanted to focus this morning on a couple of lines in the Lord's Prayer together. They're right at the start, and the lines are, God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What a prayer that is. We, we actually were singing it already this morning. May, may your will, may your kingdom come God. Now, as much as we love the royal family, we're not praying for King Charles's kingdom to come, but we're praying for God's kingdom to come. God's kingdom is where things are as God meant them to be. That's what we want God's kingdom to come. We want God to restore and redeem earth and his people. Is that our prayer this morning? Have you heard of, um, there's this term, thin places? Has anyone heard of the term thin places before? No? They're like really, really beautiful places where it's almost like you're touching heaven in those places, the thin places, where there's like not really much boundary between heaven and earth. Do you kind of get what I mean? When you see these beautiful places. This prayer, in the Lord's Prayer, this God, may your kingdom come. May, may earth be as it is in heaven. May your will be that. I, uh, I pray this morning that we might see and that we might taste and we might hear and experience God's kingdom here on earth. A glimpse into what eternity looks like. Whew, it's hot in here, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, it's okay. We turn the heater off. Maybe open a door. But, uh, but who thinks that's that's a prayer that they want to see in our city, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our families, that we want to see and and taste and hear a bit of heaven. 
The exciting part this morning that I, I want to share, and we're going to look at a, a couple of Scripture verses, some teaching that Jesus does, a couple of parables. Um, this restoring work that God's doing in the world, His kingdom coming, the exciting part for us is that God wants to partner with us to make that happen. That we have a role to play in God's kingdom coming. We who follow Jesus get to carry God's kingdom with us in our neighbourhood and to our neighbours. We're going to look uh, at, a, at a pretty familiar scripture verse this morning together. Jesus is, is teaching uh, and he tells a story in response to a question asked of him. Now, we're opening the living word of God this morning together, aren't we? We're going to read from the living word. And I know that most of us have heard this before. It's a familiar story. It's actually in the conscience of, of the general public, this story. But we're going to pray that God speaks to us out of his living word this morning. That it's going to teach us, it's going to encourage us, it's going to build us, maybe even correct us together this morning. So let's look at Luke 10, Nate, thank you, starting at verse 25. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind. And love your neighbour as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was travelling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked, attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbour to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. Let's pray and then have a look at this together. Uh, God, we thank you because you are a loving, kind, generous God. We thank you because you are also holy, that you are perfect and that you are no truth. We just pray as we uh, explore your word together, 
that we understand your living word, your scripture this morning. May it not just be information for our heads, but may it move to our hearts and to our actions this morning, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, so this parable that Jesus told has actually changed what we think of a Samaritan in some ways, right? Who knows that we have the Good Samaritan and a charity organization because of this story. But uh, I want us to quickly look at what's actually happening in the story because sometimes that preconceived idea can, can change things for us. Are you with me? We're okay? Now, what's happening here is there's, a, there's an expert of religious law asking Jesus questions. We know at this point Jesus has already earned a reputation. He's, he's actually stirring things up a little bit in, in the religious world of the day especially amongst the Pharisees and and teachers of religious law, that there is a hint that this guy is trying to trip Jesus up, trying to get Jesus to say something that they can act on, that they can kind of put him away, get him out of the, the public spotlight. He's at least trying to make Jesus look not as smart as him, I think, this this lawyer, this this guy. And he's asking Jesus, okay, Jesus, well, how do I inherit eternal life? And, you know, Jesus asks him back and he says, well, you love God with all your heart and mind and strength and you love your neighbour as yourself. That's a pretty solid answer. Who, Who knows that's a pretty solid way to live? We love God and we love our neighbour. But Jesus takes it a little bit further because the man's understanding of a neighbour was kind of not as broad as what Jesus was talking about. When I hear who is my neighbour, I think about Sesame Street. (laughs) Now, I'm a bit old, and there was this song, Who Are the People in My Neighbourhood? That's what my mind goes straight to, and I should have got a clip and we could have watched it and reminisced. But I remember being a kid loving that song and seeing the different characters, and Muppets are just fun anyway. Uh, (laughs) The people of our name. But Jesus gives us an answer, and he tells this story that that we've heard. And although it doesn't seem it, today, there would have been shock at this story for the listener. And that's a bit of a reminder for us, so we stay a bit humble, and we humble ourselves to God's Word this morning. We still pay attention, even though it's a familiar story, Uh, and I'm asking that you don't tune out going, I know what this story leads to. Um, It is a simple lesson. And there is an action to take. But in the story, the obvious ones who we would think would be helping the man don't help the man. Instead, it's the outsider who helps the beaten man. The one who reached out. The one who acted like a neighbour 
who loved his neighbour was a despised Samaritan. How's that? It even says in Scripture, despised Samaritan. To the audience hearing this, this was the enemy, really. The one who helped out, the one who reached out as a neighbour should was the enemy. Now, there are, there are reasons why a priest or a temple assistant wouldn't help a man on the side of the road if they thought he was dead. There's, there's religious law that, that meant that they couldn't pick up or touch a dead body. They'd be ceremonially unclean. And there's reasons and they, they're, they're justifiable reasons. But in this story, Jesus tells us about the man who reached out. Jesus, Jesus was telling him that the term neighbour is now broader than what you've ever thought before. The audience would have been expecting our neighbour is our fellow Jew, the fellow chosen people of God. But, but Jesus is actually saying it's way broader than that now. I'm bringing a new yoke, a new teaching to you. And now I'm telling you that your neighbour goes beyond your group of people. He's saying now that he came to tell the good news to all. The good news was for all. And now everyone, everyone, all are our neighbour. This morning, it, it is simple, but I want you to rethink again. Who is my neighbour? When I say, who is your neighbour? Who are you thinking of? Now, obviously, we could answer our physical neighbours. Who knows their next door neighbours? That would be an interesting question. Hey, we know our neighbours a bit. No? Yeah, yeah. But, but traditionally, we would say our neighbour is the person who lives either side of us. We might even say across the road neighbours. I don't know. I don't know. That's a bit of a stretch. But, but you would say across the road. Like you wouldn't say neighbour. You would say. Uh, so when we define neighbour, that's what we usually think of. But we could also extend that a little bit, you know, to the people who live in our street. I think we could even broaden our neighbour to, uh, you know, the, those that I have close proximity to, right? Like the people I work with, you could say, oh, they're, they're kind of my neighbour. It'd be, a, you probably wouldn't use that language, but, but we could say that they're our neighbours, the people that we have close, close proximity to. The people you work with, other students, maybe the people in your sports team, maybe those that you share hobbies with. Uh, I like to think of my my checkout person at Woolies as my neighbour. Does anyone else know they have a favourite checkout person when they go shopping? Or is everyone doing called machines? Yeah. Uh, I can tell you if, I haven't seen him for a while, but if Kyle is ever around, I'll even not do self-checkout. I'll go to Kyle because I get to have a conversation with Kyle. Um Around us here today, we, we would say that we are church family, but we could also class ourselves as neighbours. And, and I believe that we're right in, in making that term neighbour more than just our, the house next to us. I believe that's right. But I also think that this parable tells us it's even bigger than that. 
And I think that it shows us. And I think what Jesus is telling us who follow him, us who want to be carriers and ambassadors of his redeeming and restoring eternal kingdom. How good's that sentence? That our neighbour is actually the person in need. That our neighbour is the person in pain. That our neighbour is the person who needs clothing and the person who needs food and the person who needs shelter. I think this story tells us, and Jesus is making it clear, that our neighbour, the one that we are to love as ourselves, is the person who is alone and actually needs a neighbour. Another teaching parable of Jesus that is is quite confronting but powerful is is from Matthew 25. And Jesus is doing a a series of teaching and he's using stories, parables to kind of get his point across. And he, he tells us this parable, Matthew 25, starting at 31. But when the Son of Man comes... In his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Can I tell you, Jesus is serious about this loving your neighbour thing. The parable goes on and, and actually the parable is quite harsh, we would think. To say that when, when we didn't feed those in front of us, when we didn't look after those in front of us, that actually we were denying Jesus himself. Jesus is helping us define through these two parables who our neighbour is, what it means to love our neighbour as we are to love ourselves. He's defining our neighbour as the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, the prisoner. And when he says the prisoner, he's not just talking about the innocent prisoners. Like, like he's, he's saying, when did you visit me in prison? Now on Red Shield Sunday, I don't need to tell you that this is who we are as the Salvation Army, right? I don't, I don't need to, to talk about that very much. And it's also who we are as a church, as part of that movement. We have experts 
and we have staff and we have programs who professionally help our neighbours. And that's a great thing, isn't it? And it's great that we have organisational and programmatic response to, to help people. But I want to remind us this morning that it's not our job to rest on what they do. We are also taught by Jesus to respond to the need in front of us. So this morning, you're with me still? I, uh, I just have a couple, of, a couple of keys, I reckon, that we find in the Samaritan's response that we need to live out, that I believe Jesus is pointing us to. And the first thing that I think we can learn from the Samaritan in this story was his awareness. His awareness. In the parable, who knows that the Samaritan saw the beaten man? He didn't look away. He didn't pretend to not see the beaten man. He was aware. Can we this morning pray that the Holy Spirit guides us and shows us who is around us? It's very easy for us to not see the need in front of us. It's very easy for us to keep walking by. It's very easy for us to look at our phones and just keep walking. But right now, can we pray that the Holy Spirit continues to reveal and show us our neighbours around us who need, who need us? Our neighbours who needs God's restoring and redeeming kingdom to reach out and pull heaven to earth for them. Can we pray right now? The Holy Spirit does that work. Uh, God, um, we thank you for your living word. We thank you for the story, for the parable. Right now, we pray that we might be like the Samaritan, that we might see those neighbours in need. So we ask, Holy Spirit, give us those eyes. Reveal, guide, point out. May we not walk by hoping someone else will fix the problem, but, but God, give us the conviction, the awareness to see our neighbour in need. Holy Spirit, in those moments, we right now give you permission to prompt us, to convict us in those moments. Yeah, Holy Spirit, help us to be aware of the neighbour in need. We pray that in Jesus' name, amen. That's a pretty scary prayer. The Holy Spirit might convict us when the need's there. I know that I can sometimes go, oh, I should help out that person, but it's easier for me to keep walking. Someone else will help him out. But let's pray that we have open enough hearts to be obedient to God's leading in that moment. So that's the first thing the Samaritan does. He's aware. He at least sees and he responds. And he responds with what I think is radical love. Radical love. Radical care and concern. Radical generosity and hospitality we see in the story, don't we? 
I got to um I got to speak at Parahills High this week. Now there's some guys, yeah, guys in the room who were in who were in the room on on Wednesday morning. Uh, I got to speak to uh, Nick invited me to come and speak to the student leadership team at, at Parahills. They have um they have some school cultural values which they've come up with, and one of those cultural values is. People are our passion. And so Nick asked me to come and speak to kind of the, the leadership team, the students, uh, about that. Uh, and it was great to meet a heap of students. It was great to see some of our guys. Ethan, he had to leave early on, but Brody was there and, yeah, something about a performance in the next room. Uh, but we actually got to see a handful of our Rev Youth guys in leadership positions, student leadership positions in that school, which is amazing, including, yeah, Ethan here, Brody's here this morning. Um, and I just thought it was so good to see a big representative of Rev in that student leadership group. But as I was preparing to teach kids around people are our passion, especially in a way where you're not saying it's because of our love of God that people are our passion. As I was looking at it, I, I did this really nerdy thing. It's a bit of a preacher thing. And you, you do a word study, right? And you look at where a word comes from. And I looked up the word passion. And the root of the word in Latin is this word passio. And actually in Latin, the word passio means to suffer. It's where we get the passion of the Christ. And without being too crazy, obviously, in a school environment, I suggested that if they wanted to have a school culture in which people are our passion, that showed that they were passionate and they cared about people, it would cost something of them as leaders in that school. They would have to sacrifice their time. They would have to maybe stand up for for people It might mean that they they may have to put themselves out there to include students who are struggling. But it would cost them something. Can I tell you this morning, radical love has a cost. To love our neighbour has a cost. It means that there is, as much as we hate saying it, maybe some suffering involved so that we may love our neighbour. Radical care. This story, we can see a real cost, can't we? The Samaritan hands the innkeeper actual money and says, I will fix up whatever debt is run here. To love our neighbour isn't all about just good feelings towards them, is it? That's nice. But it will require us to sacrifice for our neighbour. Who knows that we have an example of how to do that. That's why we sing worship, isn't it, every week? To recognise the sacrifice our God has paid for us so that we might love and sacrifice for our neighbour. It requires also something practical, doesn't it? It wasn't just 
The Samaritan didn't just see the man. He didn't just go over. He didn't just tend for his... He, it tells us he picked him up and he put him on his donkey. I think sometimes when it comes to our neighbours, and, and this isn't wrong because we should do it still, we lift them up in prayer, don't we? I see a neighbour in need, I'm going to lift them up in prayer. And, and like I said, that should be our first response. But I think if we're truly to care for our neighbour, we don't just lift them up in prayer. But sometimes we need to physically lift someone up and carry them. Can I tell you this morning, this isn't just a moral lesson. We could take it as a moral lesson. This is how to be a good person. But can I paint a bigger picture than just a moral lesson? When we do this for our neighbour, when we do this for those who are hungry, for those who are thirsty, for those who are beaten, for those who find themselves naked or imprisoned. We're not doing it to just be better people. But we are active participants in God's redemptive story for humanity. How good is that? That we get to be a part of that, that we get to carry God's kingdom to our neighbours. Who knows that to do this takes sacrifice from us, takes effort from us. It costs something. But we also need the Holy Spirit's help, don't we? This morning, like I said, it's Red Shield Sunday. There's great things that the Salvos do. Please come along to quiz night. Uh, Help us raise money for, for Salvos through Digital Door Knock. If you don't have a link, I've got one in my office for you. But there's a personal thing that we need to do as well. We can't rely on an organisation to do it. We have an active role as followers of Jesus to love our neighbour. Let's pray. Let's pray again. Pray to at the start. This moves from our head to our hearts where we care about it. But as we leave here, it moves into our actions that we see those who need a neighbour, and that we act actively help them. Cool? Let's pray. God, you are good. We thank you that you are restoring and redeeming the whole world. We pray that your kingdom comes. We pray that, that we start to see glimpses of heaven here on earth. We thank you, God, that you're a God who includes us in your mission. We thank you that, that you use us, that you would... Uh, Allow us the privilege and honour to be a part of that. And we just pray this morning, again, as we redefine who our neighbour is, that you help us, Holy Spirit, to see those in need. But not just see, that we may sacrificially act. Give us uh, the strength to do it. Prompt us. And guide us. May we see Adelaide transformed in your name, Jesus. May we see those without a neighbour start to be cared for. May they be lifted up, not just in our prayers, but may we lift them up. Jesus, um, we need your help to move this just from head knowledge to our heart, make us passionate about it. 
but may we also act it out in our week. Thank you, God, you're a God who empowers us and you've given us the Holy Spirit. We need you, Holy Spirit, to live this out. Make us more and more like Jesus every day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for being with us this morning. Can I challenge you this week to be on the lookout for your neighbour? May we not stop with just the prayer. May we act it out. Bless you. Please hang out some more in the toasty warm. See you next week.